tuned in last week, but no fret. Um, that sermon is actually online. If you want to catch that, and if you don't have access to that, but you have a DVD player and you would like to see that, you just let us know. Um, you can call the church office this week, and we'll be glad to, to uh, get you a copy of that. And uh, we, I preached, and there was a room all empty, nobody but me. So um, I had zero amens. I had zero interaction. It was just me and a computer screen, so it was kind of awkward. So I'm really happy that I'm going to get some, uh, some verbal and nonverbal responses back from you. I got, got home, and Katie was like, well, how'd that go? And I was like, I don't know. Nobody said anything. <laughs> just me and the Holy Spirit up in here. It was good times, though. Uh, today, so we're going to continue because we're, we're on a very tight sermon series that's going to take us into our Christmas season. So, so we've got to kind of keep going through the book of Galatians. I'm excited about where we land today. What we're going to talk about today is, is grace displayed at the salvation of the Apostle Paul. We, we talked uh, starting two weeks ago, we started a series walking through the book of Galatians. And, and kind of where we started was, was Paul came to Galatia and he planted a church. And he, he told them all the things of the gospel. Remember, part of the Great Commission, we go to the nations. We go. We seek the lost. Bring them into salvation. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we don't leave them there. He tells them, he says, next, teach them all that I've commanded you. And he says, you're not going to do this alone because the Lord is with us always, even to the ends of the ages. So we see that the Apostle Paul is, is fulfilling the Great Commission because he didn't just come in and preach some sermons that are going to bring people to faith, but he came in and not only did he, did he preach the gospel, but he began to teach them all that he knew, all that he had learned. He began to invest in him all that Jesus had spoken. Well, he leaves because he's a church planter. He's not a pastor. He leaves to continue on his missionary journey. Some Judaizers come in. That's a great $15 seminary word. Judaizers come in, and they begin to distort what the Apostle Paul had began. What they said was that we know the, the grace and stuff that Jesus said was good, but what we're going to tell you is that you still have to obey the law, that you still have to be circumcised. You still have to go through the, the rites of the Israelites to, to be confirmed in Christ. So the Apostle Paul is refuting them. And last week, if you caught that, if you watched that video, which over 1,200 people did, I was blown away. Um, I was like, who cares what I say that much? I, was I got a big head. Then Katie said, it wasn't that good. She's my... <laughs> and I told her this morning, you're staying home. No, we, our son is sick. You can pray for, for baby Caleb. He's been sick now for about seven days, running a fever. And so we're going back to the doctor tomorrow, so you can pray for my little man. And, um, but we are today going to kind of continue. Last week, the, the Apostle Paul defended his stance against the Judaizers by placing the importance on the gospel. That we have to fight to, per, to preserve the gospel. Not everything somebody tells you when they reference the Bible is biblical. Not everything you hear from someone declaring to be a, a mouthpiece of the Lord is actually biblical. I've heard a lot of really good sermons that when you begin to dissect it biblically, you go, uh, uh-uh. Like if, if we're not grounded in the Word, the, the Apostle Paul in, in, in 6 through 10 makes this great declaration that if anyone, beside, anyone comes 
preaching a gospel contrary to the one he preached, even if it's angels, they're to be accursed. They're to be someone thrown out. They're to be someone who is put in disregard. So he, he calls us to, to, to keep going. We pick up today in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. If you have your copy of the Word of God, I would love for you to turn with me there. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. The Apostle Paul is continuing to tell us about his conversion. And he starts in verse 11. He says, For I would have you to know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, nor did I receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my formal life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age among the people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. I saw no one of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sosia, and I was still unknown in person, but to the churches of Judah that are in Christ, Judea in Christ, they only were hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. Father, we pray over your word today, knowing that there is power in your word. Father, we, we trust you today. We believe that you're able today. We believe that you're mighty today. We believe there's no one like you, that, that you're the chain breaker today, Father. You're, you're the healer. You're the master. You're our Abba, Father. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. There's nobody like you, Father. So we are trusting that you are going to do something special in our time together. Use your word. Use me as a, as a vessel. God, remove anything of me that may be against you. Remove anything of me that may be counterintuitive to the gospel. Father, may I speak what thus say the Lord. We beg you for a word today. We ask it in the name of Christ and all God's people said. Amen. Paul starts by showing us the importance of the gospel. Now remember, he just told us, you defend the gospel. So then he, he, he transitions and he says, I want you to show the importance of it. And he begins to go and, and what he wants us to see is that the gospel is the main thing. He's writing to the church in Galatia, and he wants him to know that the gospel is the main thing. He didn't come. He could have came in and started talking about church doctrine. He could have came in and started talking about all kinds of different things. But the apostle Paul, who God did something so special in his life, so important in his life, he came in, and he was wise beyond his years. He was trained beyond his years, but he wanted them to catch the gospel. My friends, if we don't catch the gospel, we miss the whole thing. We missed the whole thing. 
Evangelicals who can't communicate the gospel are dangerous. Evangelicals who cannot communicate the gospel, they're dangerous. I, I hear so many times, I, I ask a lot of people, in fact, I've asked several of you, hey, what's the gospel? And I'm often cringeworthiness comes over me when people begin to answer the question because most of us don't know the gospel. The gospel that God sent forth his son in man's flesh. He was completely perfect. He was completely holy. The incarnate God in the person of Jesus. He lived a perfect holy life. He came to fix a sin problem that man had. Man's had that sin problem a long time. He came to fix that sin problem. He died the death that you should have died. He was dead. Jesus was dead. He didn't pass out. He was dead. He was dead. They put him in a grave, but he wasn't going to stay there because three days later he resurrected. And in the power of his resurrection, the life of the believer changed drastically. Now you and I have a bridge back to the Lord. Now you and I have a, a way back to the Lord. Jesus made a way when there were seemingly no way. He's now ascended to the Father, and he's making intercessory for you and for me. And I always say this because it's an important part of the gospel that people need to hear. He's coming back. He's coming back. So we, we stand there, and the apostle Paul is, is telling them the important thing is Jesus. He started in, in Galatians 1, in the first three verses, saying that, that the whole thing is about Jesus. You want to know the good news of life? It's Jesus. You want to know how to be set free? It's Jesus. You want to know how your life can make sense again? It's Jesus. He makes Jesus foundational because for the New Testament church, Christ is the cornerstone. Without him, we falter. Without him, we, we fail. So he makes the, the main thing the main thing. What he begins to show the Galatians is that the gospel is bigger than he is. He came in and he tells them, he says, if anyone preaches a different gospel, let them be accursed. That word accursed in the Greek is a funny word. Um, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that it's better for them to have a, a stone and a rope tied around their neck and thrown into the sea to drown and die than it is to preach a gospel contrary to the one that the Apostle Paul preached to the churches in Galatia. So he, he makes the gospel bigger than himself. He said, it's not, not about me. It's not about the intellect. He knew the Torah. He knew the law. He was wise beyond his years. And yet he is telling the church, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is the greatest thing we have. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. The Apostle Paul wants us to see that the gospel is bigger than even ourselves. So even as someone who preaches the gospel, listen, I'm never bigger than my message. And it's not even my message, it's the Lord's message. I, I'm someone that the Lord has appointed, and it wasn't, I wasn't jumping up and down saying, here, Lord, me. I didn't have an Isaiah moment before the Lord. I was someone who was like, oh, you're calling me to ministry? Yeah, that doesn't pay enough. <laughs> you sure, Lord? You sure? Because I could, I, could, I could be a lawyer. I, don't, I didn't care for medical school, so I wouldn't have went that way. But I could have made something. You know, I could have done something. I am just a, a voice and a mouthpiece before the Lord. The gospel, I'm not bigger than the gospel. I'm not bigger than the message. Can I, can I just give you some, some helpful wisdom today? This is free, not even in my notes. If you ever put a pastor, anyone who has a microphone strapped to their face, above the message of the gospel, that becomes adultery. 
You're idolizing man above the Lord. And the apostle Paul says the gospel is the main thing. The gospel is bigger. The gospel is the grandest thing that we have. It's what we hold to is that Christ died for sinners so that we could be set free. Christ died and he took our place and by his substitutionary atonement, that's another $15 seminary word, by his substitutionary atonement, you and I are set free. We have life. Anybody today experiencing life? No. Anybody up here, y'all got life today? They don't. They're struggling out there. So he wants us to see that. But then we, we begin to see the conversion of Paul. And Paul shares his former life. You and I have a story that's special. You and I have a story that's unique. You know, no one else has my testimony. Do you know that? You know, you don't have my testimony and I don't have your testimony. Although they may sound similar, God redeemed us. But they're all uniquely different. The Apostle Paul begins to share about his former life. And you think you're something. The Apostle Paul was really something. I mean, this brother was Saul, and he was going around. He was advancing beyond his years. He was advancing beyond his days. The people that were around him his age were looking at him like, how come we're not like him? Like, how come he's so much better than us? This guy was on fire. He was going to be a huge, pivotal player in the judicial system, or in the Judaizers' world, and yet he counted it all lost. So he begins to tell us his story. He he describes his conversion. He tells us that, that God stepped in. He starts in verse, um, in, in about verse 13. He tells us, he says, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was it taught to me, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus. He says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. He says, You know who I am. You know what I was about. You know my sinful mess. But notice that he says, Former life. He says, you know my former life. The Apostle Paul puts distinction in who he is now and who he was. Because it's salvation, the game changed for him. Jesus messed Saul's life up so much, he got a name change. Completely different. And he says, in my former life. So he, he describes what the Lord has done in him. He told his story. He described his conversion. And then he let his story prove itself. I love this. He, he lets his story prove its, itself. When you and I go out, listen, you may not have the New Testament memorized. You may not have the Romans Road memorized. When I was in student ministry many moons ago, it had hair, good hair. My favorite thing to see was a teenage girl who would accept Christ. Some teenage boys would catch it too, but it wasn't near as prominent. What I saw is that if I could teach a 13-year-old girl one verse, she didn't have to know how to exegete verbs. She didn't have to know the difference between the doxology and, and the Apostles' Creed. She didn't know any of that. She couldn't tell you those distinctions, but she could tell you John 3.16. You give me a 13-year-old girl on fire for Jesus, she'll change her world. You give me somebody excited about what Christ is doing in their life, they'll change the world. They begin to tell their stories. You and I remember when I got saved, I remember got saved on a Sunday, got back on the school bus Monday morning, and I'm sitting in the city. I don't even know how to tell people. I was so lost. I didn't even know how to communicate how lost I was. Like, I wasn't church. I didn't have this background. I'm sitting on the school bus, and I remember so, so like, it was yesterday. I'm sitting there, and, 
And the guy sits next to me. He's like, what'd you do this weekend? And I was like, I went fishing and shot dove and got saved. He said, saved? He wasn't in church either. He said, saved from what? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Preacher said, I got saved. I, I was so lost, I didn't know what I was saved from. God led me to Jesus, told me about his grace. I was so convicted. I was so under, under judgment of the Lord, and yet he delivered me. So, so when we tell our story, which we need to do often, we tell our story, even if we can't, even if we can't articulate it in such a way that people would want to write it down and share it later. We tell our story. We describe the conversion. I told this guy, I was sitting next to him, his name was Jacob. I told Jacob, I said, I was in church. And we were talking, and, and we were in the 13th verse of come just as you are. And the preacher wasn't going to quit till I came just as I was. I mean, you talk about a long invitation. We were there a minute. The second service had just sat down in the parking lot. We, we, I mean, it was just a long thing. And I'm sitting there, and I'm about to rip that piece of wood right off that pew. I mean, the Lord had me under such conviction. I had super strength there. And I'm crying. I'm weeping. And, and I go down, and, and, I, and I tell the pastor. I, like, I, I mumble to him in tears. I was like, I need to be saved. That's how it came out. And he, he led me through the plan of salvation, told me God had a plan for my life, and he wanted to redeem me. I didn't even know what that word meant. He said, do you want to accept Christ? And all I knew was, yes, I want that. And I told him, told Jacob sitting next to me. I said, he told me, I said, I don't know it. But he said, yesterday I went from death to life. I told him that my life's different now. I, and I told him, and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't own a Bible. I said, I don't know what that means. But I know now I'm saved. We must tell our story. And then like the Apostle Paul, listen, the Apostle Paul wasn't always bragging about his story. Wasn't always bragging, although he told it often. But the Apostle Paul let his story prove his conversion. He let his story prove his conversion. His life was proof. His life was proof. Can I ask you this morning? You know where I'm going. Is there proof in your life that Christ has redeemed you? Is there proof in a court of law would you be found guilty of loving Jesus? There's proof. You can look in the epistles and you can see the apostle Paul was, was a man. Now God never said he was a man after his own heart because that was David. But the apostle Paul he wouldn't quit. He kept pursuing righteousness, kept pursuing the Lord. He said, if you kill me, I'm going to be with him. If you leave me here, I'm going to preach the gospel. He kept going. He was a man among men in the system in which he worked, and God changed everything. On his Damascus Road experience, Jesus redeemed him, and then he disappears for three years. Jesus redeems him, and he disappears for three years. Notice what the Apostle Paul did when he, when he disappeared. So, so Jesus comes into his life, and you remember, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He falls down. He can't see. He's got to go find Ananias. And, and, all of it, and, then he, and then he disappears. Scripture tells us he disappears for three years. The Apostle Paul resisted the spotlight. He resisted the spotlight. He didn't have to go out and be the front man. He, he didn't desire to go to Jerusalem and kick the door down on the synagogue and say, I'm here, y'all circle around. He wanted to experience the, the fullness of God. He, he resisted running. He knew he had a special story. He knew he had something that needed to be told, but he resisted 
the spotlight because there were some things that had to happen in him. He desired education. When was the last time you desired to grow in righteousness? When was the last time you desired the word of the Lord? When was the last time you longed for study? Because listen, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, Jeff, you're a fantastic preacher. I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> but if this is all you're getting, I promise you it's not enough. If this is the only Bible you hear, if this is the only message you hear, if this is the only study that you receive, then you're hungry. You're starving. You need to be educated. You need to grow in the disciplines of the Lord. He desired education because he wanted to be gospel-centered. When we get saved, we are now, the scripture tells us that you and I are now entered into the ministry of the gospel of reconciliation, that you and I now play a pivotal role. The apostle Paul didn't want to be half-cocked in his theology. He didn't want to be just shooting from the hip, hoping he hit something. He wanted to be gospel-centered because eternity is too long to be wrong. So he began to grow in the ways of the Lord. He began to be discipled. He wanted to be disciple. He wanted to know what Jesus said. He because this wasn't a guy that he he naturally knew. Remember, he was against it. This was a, he was he was after stomping out the church, and so he had to go become gospel centered so that his life would represent the Jesus that he was now following. He wanted to get prepared for the task. He wanted to be prepared for the task. The ministry of the gospel of reconciliation is a tough ministry. If you don't know this, I may pull some light back on, on some folks, but sometimes people are difficult. I know, I know, it's shocking. Sometimes people are hard-nosed and hard-headed. Sometimes people bring opinions that are difficult to deal with and Sometimes ideologies are, are different. So the Apostle Paul disappears for three years to be prepared for the task. Pastor Ron, I remember the first sermon I ever preached. It wasn't much better than this one. It was so bad, so bad, that somebody had to get up after I sat down and explain what I just tried to say. Now, you're talking about feeling bad. When somebody has to get up and explain what you just mumbled through for, for seven minutes and it should have taken 30, you're not in a good place. When God calls you, he's going to prepare training for you. Some of you guys called to serve in the church, and you need to be trained through that. We've got avenues we'd love to serve with you. Some of you guys calling to ministry, and there's great seminaries all across our country that now, thanks to the Internet, you can... One click away, you're there. We've got extensions. We've got classes in Birmingham. We've got seminaries in Birmingham. I mean, we've made the gospel accessible for training. The Apostle Paul went and was preparing himself for the task that he knew God had before him. And lastly, he allows us to see kind of the inner workings of who he is. He allows us to see the change in his life. When you get down to the bottom section of our passage in verse 16, he says, And after three years I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remain with him for 15 days. 
Cephas is there. If you're with somebody 15 days, he's confirming what the Apostle Paul has in his life. He says, but I saw no other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. He says, in what I'm writing to you is before the Lord. I do not lie. And then I came to the region of Syria and Sosia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The Apostle Paul shows us the transformation in his life. So he went from hating believers to now he is one. That's how powerful the gospel is. You and I, we hear of of terrorists, and that's what the Apostle Paul was to the early church. He was a terrorist. He was someone for religious gain, stomping out of faith, trying to stomp out, and it was spreading like wildflower. You know, some of the greatest movements of God happened under persecution. Some of the greatest times where God showed up and did something unexpectable was when the church was being squashed. So when you and I see persecution, I don't know, I'm making you back row folks nervous, I know. <laughs> Some of the greatest movements of God happen when people fully rely on him. The Apostle Paul, who was filled with hatred, how did he get that hatred? He had a sin problem. Hatred is just a byproduct of your sin. He had a sin problem. He looked at people who were, who were walking in the ways of Jesus, and he hated them. And he began to try to stomp them out. In fact, he wasn't walking down the Damascus Road to go eat at a buffet. He was on mission to go destroy the churches. And on the way to go commit the greatest sin of his life, God shows up. Adrian Rogers said this, he said in a sermon, he said, I wonder if the next Apostle Paul is drunk this Sunday morning. What if the next Apostle Paul is drunk this Sunday morning? There is no one outside the reach of God's grace. We've got ISIS. We've got the Taliban running crazy. And we'll all sit around a coffee shop and go, just need to nuke them. No, we need to share the love of Jesus with them. We look at what's happening in Chicago, one of the greatest mass murderers of, of a culture ever recorded. And we say, well, just let them all go. No, we need to share the gospel with them. We've got people that move in next to us that we, well, did you see what they planted in their flower bed? No. I don't know if I like them. We need to go share the gospel with them. What hinders you from sharing the gospel? The Apostle Paul had such a conversion. He had such a radical experience that now this was completely who he was completely who he was so he hated believers now he is one he hated the truth and now he walks in it he hated the message he hated the message of jesus that he tried to destroy it jesus did a work in his life and now he walks in it and i'm, I'm gonna cheat i'm gonna tell you the ending of the book he dies in it a message he hated he's willing to die for not only did he hate the truth and, and walk in it, but he hated the gospel. He hated the gospel. Because for someone who grew up in the Jewish culture, the gospel was such a different animal that they didn't even like it. Those who were bought into the system of, of 
the Jewish nation, they, they see this, and they see now Jesus has set you free, and, and, and all of these laws, they're, they're no longer laws, and we're, we're free because those who Christ came to set free, they're free indeed, and, and he released the chains, and, and he tells us that, that there's no salvation in the law, but now you're free. Jesus has set you free, and you can come and experience grace, and you can come experience salvation, and that they're hearing this, and they're going, well, what about the law? What, what about all of those laws that we've been holding on to for thousands of years? What about them? And the Apostle Paul said, you're, you're free. You're free. We don't throw the law out. There's a reason the Old Testament's still printed in your Bible. The Old Testament's a great indicator of how much you need Jesus. Because you and I can't keep the law. But it was never intended for our salvation. It was always intended to point us towards Jesus. He hated the gospel. Now he sold out to it. At salvation, Jesus messed Paul's life up so much that he went counter-cultural. He went completely the other way. I want to ask you this morning, the whole sermon kind of boils down to this question. When Paul came to Jesus, there was a drastic change in his life. Is that change in you? Is that change in you? One of the hardest things to do in pastoring a church in the South is to get people to realize that Jesus wants to be the Lord of their life every day, not just Sunday. Has there been a gospel change in your life? Do you have the story, I was dead in my trespasses, but now I'm alive in Christ? Have you been set free? Our musicians are going to make their way back up. We're going to enter into a time of invitation this morning. And the one question we're asking this morning, we get asked a lot of them. Has that change come to your life? Are you seeing that, that Christ is Lord? Have you surrendered all that Jesus may be Lord of your life? Can I tell you from, from personal experience, I've now been a believer um, longer than I was not a believer in my life. Can I tell you that, that being a follower of Christ, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. It takes discipline. It takes me being surrendered. It takes me being sold out. But can I tell you, I, I've been on this side now, I'm longer saved than I was lost. Can I tell you it's the greatest decision I've ever made? I've regretted some things in my life. Some haircuts, some wardrobe choices. I've never, not one day, not one minute, not one hour, I've never, ever regretted following the Lord Jesus. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. Have you given your life to Jesus today? If not, we're going to give you that opportunity. Me and Pastor Ron are going to be down here. You need somebody to come pray with you. Maybe today you realize... You know what? The Apostle Paul had such a life change and the gospel was so central to who he is and that's not me. And maybe today you just need prayer that, that God would restore to you the joy of your salvation, that you'll take steps to work in the disciplines of the Lord. Maybe you've got sin issues that are holding you back. Jesus is still the chain breaker. He's still the one that can release you from bondage in your repentance. So whatever you need to do today, 
join our church, come for salvation, whatever God places on you, this is for you. You stand with